Me and Bill used to jam. We knew oh, we'd yeah. known each other for like ten years, mm. and he's a pretty good guitar player. Yeah, he, he, I mean, he's not you know he's not a professional, but he's he of all the critics, he's no, like he's like he's pretty good. You know, he's he can he can express himself pretty good on the guitar, mm-hmm. and um, has a pretty good aesthetic and. Um, um, and we used to jam have these jam sessions with all sorts of people. In like, New York. We, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, with like Mark Feldman and Her, oh, yeah, yeah. Herb Robertson and you know Thomas Ulrich. So, so do you think the audiences in New York? Bob Havi. He was a critic, so he understood. But do you think the audiences understood what the music was about? Um, yeah. Well, see, that's you know, that's 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 what happened. See, while I was in, I witnessed a lot of shit, you know, mm-hmm. in New York. And there was a lot massive social forces going on, cultural forces going on at the time because, you know, I mean, New York had gone bankrupt and they created a commission. This is like what's going to happen to the United States on a large level probably maybe, maybe. now, you know, is, if, yeah, right, if, well, whatever. If, if, they, if it comes to that they go bankrupt, what, what happened in New York is they created this commission, a Big Mac, you know, municipal something commission. And it, you know, I think the United States will do it differently. Right, right. They'll suddenly go and steal some money from somewhere <laughs> in the world. Like, right, <laughs> right. Mysteriously, and a lot of money disappeared from Saudi Arabia. Today. Well, we yeah, right, <laughs> right. Well, they came. Up, I mean, this is well documented. They came up with this whole plan after the bankruptcy. To, it's like okay, we have to do something to. This situation can't go on. We have to come up with a plan to pay the money and make New York run differently uh-huh. you know it's too much of a socialist hotbed and, you know, uh-huh. or whatever you know it's too much there's too much creative ferment going on you know basically who was came, who came down with this clamp well it was the it was like you know felix rohatton was the architect of it he's mm-hmm. like you know the bank the, the financial elite the wall street elite uh-huh. Came up with this plan, and it was like a thirty-year plan. And they said it was too bohemian, too much. Too, too, well, too basically, much you know, if you read, you know, if 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 you saw what was happening, it wasn't just bohemian and stuff. It was like deadbeats living in their rent-control apartments. For, you know, it's it's like all that post-war stuff or pre-war stuff, rent control. Mm-hmm. You know, and they, you know, the, the landlords were. It was landlords. You know, landlords run New York. Yeah. You know, that's all because it's Manhattan Island and, uh-huh. you know, there's only so much room. Uh-huh. So, um, so y- you know, they were like, look, this place has gone bankrupt and there's so much wealth here. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for it to go bankrupt. What we got to do is get rid of this whole structure of rent control and commercial rent control, and, which is allowing the family businesses to thrive. And, you know, it was it was a whole decision to to break the power of the fucking deadbeats <laughs> eight balls or whatever you and know what, what, what uh, years what, what was this was in the 80s well this was after this was in the 70s mm-hmm. after the bankruptcy okay and they came up with this like third 30 year plan to totally restructure the rent and, and turn it into co-ops ownership and 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 basically get rid of rent control as far as possible, um, um, you know, and make this place for the wealthy, uh, you know, and then we'll pay back all the money we had to borrow for bankruptcy uh, and make it even richer than ever. 
And so, so all this was going on. I mean, there was a homeless contagion for like, you know, five years, really bad. And anybody that was living there in the 80s experienced it. Mentally ill, they left, let out all the halfway houses, just gave them drugs. It, just, it, was, it was weird. It was a big transition. A lot of bookstores, all the bookstores closed. I mean, family business started going bankrupt. Mall stores started coming. You know, it was this whole transition. So this was mirrored in the cultural world. And Jimbo will tell you, you know, Dr. Jimbo Walsh will tell you, you know, he, he, this is one of his bet noirs is the knitting factory. Uh-huh. Like, you know, when they came in, Michael and, and his partner, Bob, I, Dorf, Michael Dorf. Dorf, you know, I don't, I don't have too much of an ax to grind with them, except, you know, they're, they're like entrepreneurs and they came in and saw this opportunity. It's just that. This wasn't treated as as an entrepreneurial thing before, right except it was, you know. But by aficionados, like like who, the, the, Nat or the 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 guy who runs Village Vanguard, or, right? You know, well, that, yeah. I mean, you know, I was, and and Bradleys, and yeah. all, you know, and all that stuff. Yeah, it's a funny mentality. I mean, that's really one of my. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, my my problem now is how to overcome the situation. Which what what that is is that you have. A bunch of art artists and artworks that have been. How what, what, what year did you move to New York? Seventy nine. Okay, so you're there for the whole war. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like I think I caused it or something. Yeah. It's like well, this is interesting because you know the the thing the results of that are interesting. A guy like uh, the Knitting Factory, Michael Dorf, manages to harness a thing that looks as though it's marketing these things but what it does is deprives them of their content because all they end up doing is pushing the knitting fact right so right 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 exactly the content actually becomes just the place where they where you play well then and and this is actually now is everything this means that if something's on youtube really you're pushing youtube if you're something's on the internet really you're right, the internet. You're right. Actually, if something's at a festival well, and it didn't and festival, it really right? didn't help that that michael dorf like sort of ended up you know adopting you know it sort of ended up you know as a mascot john zorn is the mascot you know zorn has good ideas he does Mm -hmm. he's a good he can play Mm -hmm. you know a lot of his stuff seems derivative but you know big deal most everybody you know everybody does some derivative but but you know but the thing about zorn is that he was just adopted and he was he played at the fucking knitting factory like every night Mm -hmm. you know it was like I, I mean, I and 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 he, he gets started getting written up by the New York Times all the time. It's like the New York Times. Yeah. What do they have to say about avant-garde music? Mm-hmm. They don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. How come they're interested in Johnson? You know, it's like, and it, it just uh, you know, and it just kind of left me bitter because the whole thing, the combination. And then the you know the Euro people mm-hmm. would come over and they were like, oh John Zorn, mm-hmm. you know, and then just and then all the friends, you know, it just became this big, pretty big clique, you know, of really pretty, some just fa- fabulous great players and mm-hmm. some just like you know whatever. Most of them were great players, but very you know like it's like ideological thing. Mm-hmm. So I I found the music scene to become much more ideologically splintered mm-hmm. over those days. Like, there was the Knitting Factory Zorn scene, and then then there was the um, After Hours Club scene, and there, it was often very polarized between white and black. Mm-hmm. You know, like Zane Massey, 
you know, Kyle Massey's son. He was a, Zane was a great tenor player and composer. And his, do you know Kyle Massey? I know Kyle Massey. Yeah. And Zane, and so, and I was, I was at the neither nor Jimbo would tell you he was, he wasn't there at the time, but I was like, Zane, man, let me sit in, you know, and, and you know, it's like all the underground luminaries, you know, mm-hmm. all the, you know, big band, and it was sort of like the Naked Orchestra, mm-hmm. but you know, all black people, yeah. you know, mostly, uh-huh. and you know, and then the white hipsters here and there, mm-hmm. good, good players. I was like, Zane, let me sit in. He goes. Oh, okay, 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 you can sit in. So he, so I sit down behind the drums, and he's like, okay, the name of this song is Kill All the White People in South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, shit, should I play loud or soft, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, thanks, Zane, motherfucker. <laughs> but anyway, you know, there it was it got kind of polarized, I would say. The, you know, and and at, when I left New New York, it was very polarized. You know, I mean, and I'm not taking away from anybody. It's like Tim Byrne, Dave Douglas, you know, all that stuff. No, and the, everybody's a great player, but I just didn't understand yeah. exactly why it was splintering the way it was. And, and then there was the whole ideological thing of the. Out guys like Sabir, Martin, you know, like you know, like you know, like just like powerhouses of uh-huh. volume of you know Jackson Crowell and William and you know and Matt Ship comes out of that school and uh-huh. and um you know um like the Cecil kind of stuff you know it was just very influenced by that and then there was you know much more lyrical white scene. Kind of, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, but there was a lot of crossover, you no, know, it, it was like Asian, you know. But it hadn't been like that, you're saying, before that, before that particular point. It was more like, it was, yeah, no, it, it wasn't. It was sort of organically developing. Uh-huh. And then I think the Knitting Factory did, was a marker, like a yeah. cultural marker, like where things started, whether it caused it, it didn't cause it necessarily, but it amplified it, yeah. whatever was going on. Yeah, and, it, and, 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 and it sort of um, 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 mirrored, reflected what was going on in New yeah. York, like ideological splintering going on and, and polarizations along race and class lines and sex. You know, and, and the, the whole free scene was always much more about openness. It's like we love multi We know every human... Ha- you know, has something to bring to this music. So you think it's because everyone suddenly it was getting desperate as much as everyone suddenly had to compete for something. Yeah, yeah. The financial thing was closing so, in. Like so, the rents were just like that's so what happened to me. To ultimately, I couldn't afford the fucking rent. Uh-huh. I was like a rabbit looking yeah. for rabbit holes, right. you know, and running out of them. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean. No, what? Uh, yeah, and then, yeah, and then, yeah, and then the venues started closing, closing down. There was, like, another historical marker that, I, in my mind, is the Happy Land Fire, where at, at After Hours Club in the bra, in, in Upper Manhattan, burned down and killed, you know, 200 Dominican people. It was like a horror show. Well, there's something interesting here, because it's interesting <clears throat> that you say this, because it seems like... If polarization is the problem, then even the musicians were suddenly unable, where they've gone from directly being able to or well address the problem to 
not actually being able to see what the problem is and creating more polarization. Uh, yeah, failed, yeah, I, I, I thought every, failed, I th- failed to confront what the actual issue was. I think that's a problem in American society. Mm-hmm. That I saw it with my own eyes because I was, you know, I'm, I've never been like total political, but I mean, I've always like tried to be politically aware and stuff. I'm not like the greatest activist or mm-hmm. right. understatement of the year, but you know. Um, but you know, I, 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 I see the value of like at least political awareness, you mm-hmm. know. And it's like I feel like people surrendered their political awareness and went into like the whole art, poor la art kind of well, sure. f- phase, and where they just didn't, where they sort of g- the music sort of got cut off from the political currents of the time. And totally, you can see that. I mean, like a minute, a minute ago, you were talking about a fellow, well, the reason that they didn't want to have this sound that was uh, why they were using other materials that would lead some people to think that they didn't know what they were doing is because they didn't want to be bourgeois, they didn't want to be pure bourgeois, and they were using standard ways with that you would reflect that, not standard, but non-standard ways that you might reflect those ideas in, in, in the playing, and then that goes into everyone trying to be the best at something why because they're attempting to they're in a they're in a competitive battle where you end up just thinking that you know that uh uh what do you call it the virtuosity it becomes the becomes the the uh the the way that you judge the value is is you know uh-huh, uh-huh, what the level uh-huh. of virtuosity is not the idea that it's contained within it. which work which works for that kind of competition because suddenly no one has you know it, I mean I can it, it, when you introduce the microcosm you look at you look at the knitting factory then all of a sudden you can see well he's created a situation in which everyone wants to gig at the knitting factory how can they show that they're more worthy of the gig than the other guy because no longer it's about their idea they just have to be better oh I and felt- the knitting factory is always winning. Yeah, well, I, that's a really important point. That's that's a great point. Yeah, I mean, you could follow that that up with an article or a book, definitely. Yeah. You know, um, you know, identification of the venue. Yeah. But you know, all through art history, there's always a venue associated with you know, like uh-huh. Bird at St. Nick's or right. whatever, or you know, Fifty Second Street. Yeah, it's a place where the scene happens. You know, or you know, Frenchman Street or whatever. Let me ask you a question. I, I didn't really want to cut you off. It's fascinating. Listen, no, I'm okay. sure we're going to roll back right into this anyway somehow. But uh, I just want to get down to you were working the publishing thing, and that led to you said that led somewhere. Where did that lead you to after? Well, that led to the writing. I wanted to write. I was like. They were grooming me to go into the publishing business as an uh-huh. as editor, mm-hmm. you know, where you take people to lunch and write contracts. I don't know if I would have ever gotten that far, but it seemed like that's the direction. That, I mean, if you were going on a trajectory, then that's where you would go. Mm-hmm. If you were on the up escalator, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, I met, I'm, I was at Simon & Schuster, and, 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 you know, I was I was dealing with, you know, some of the main people, and... So, and I liked those people, I liked that world, but it was like, I just didn't, I was chomping at the bit, I'm like a musician, you know, it's hard to go from those worlds to, you know, you can't be a professional in a, so anyway, I, I, I sort of stumbled into this writing, writing a market analysis, like, oh, shoes, you know, toothpaste, <laughs> batteries, you know, um, 
cereal, you know, <laughs> golf balls, you know, whatever. Every consumer commodity. You know. Now, how, how did you? Uh, how did you get to? I mean, okay, Lucy. So instead, you ended up doing these market analysis. How? Who wanted to hire you to do market market analysis? They, and, this and this guy who had a business doing that. They, they that was a that's a, like a unique. At the time, it was a pretty unique business in uh-huh. New York, like a boutique business in New York. And the people that buy them are like the Fortune 500 companies and, and people that wanted ideas to develop new products and all this shit, you know, and, you know, um, and just all sorts of people. Banks want to check up on a company, you know, see what people are saying about it. People want to find out the trends and, and you know, whatever. It's a very highly specific. It's a world that no, most people don't know about it, because they sell these reports for like three to five thousand dollars a piece. Like, you know, it's like insider info. Mm-hmm. You know, and and um, and then you never see them in the bookstores because they just they sell on this total micro level to these ins the, to these businesses so i i just stumbled into this you know through my girlfriend wh- who worked there and she said why don't you try it out and i did one and i i was going to school at the time i had just graduated and mm-hmm. and i had just had this knack for it like i was writing all the time at school and um and i just it, it was like, wow, what an easy way. And, and I was going, you know, the first one I wrote, I was going, had this whole trip out to L.A. planned with this friend of mine, Tex. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I need, I'm totally broke. I need some money. And he's like, well, here, here's an advance of, you know, a thousand bucks. Or two. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow. Okay, so thanks. I'll call you in a month. I've gone out to California. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? And or whatever, and so it was great. It was easy money, and, uh-huh. and and I could do it at home. It was like this whole. It was like the perfect freelance job, making money, um, and being able to play. How did this color the play? and and write and hang out? You know, and uh-huh. it just so if you were playing in what was a politically a political environment, oh, it had been. And this oh yeah, and then I'm like total bourgeois sellout. You must this must have colored the way that you oh god it. yeah well that's probably why I got like tossed and turned and ended up out of New York is the contradictions you know and was do you think that it was contradictions within yourself or were other people spotting this so oh giving you a hard time about it oh well you know nobody really gave me too hard of a time about it I was giving myself I wasn't even giving myself a hard time I was just like you know I can you justify this no. Uh-huh. Do you like the money? Yes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and then I just became this suburban fool that I am, you know, so with without totally selling out and going into a cubicle job. Uh huh. Okay. So uh-huh. I was as much of the of the problem as anybody else. Uh-huh. I, but I was able to do all these things. Like I had this this whole s- studio situation out in Brooklyn, downtown Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. People would come out. I could play like all night and. People, all the, I had these massive jam sessions out there. Oh, really? Okay. Some of it's on, you know, but so I was able to do stuff, you know, so anyway, anyway. Who was coming to these jam sessions? What was this? Well, that's, that's like, you know, Herb Robertson and, and, um, oh, ta- oh, God, all sorts of people, I'm trying to think. Were you still with the Burn Extra at the point? 
Yeah, I was with Bern Nix from 85 to 1992. Wow, wow. Yeah, it was like seven years, but but we didn't play all that often, you know. Uh-huh. Bern was with Primetime, and he was always going out on the road with Ornette, and, and he was with um, Jane Cortez. Right. You know, and he could be going out. So, he, he, you know, he didn't have all that. And William was playing with Cecil Taylor at the right, time. Yeah, so right. he was like, you know... So I was like, and the, but I was playing with a rock band, you know, uh-huh. with Jimbo in yeah. Wampum, and uh-huh. well, we had it, it was various incarnations, but I would say the key, the the key thing for me since I left Kansas City has always been I want to play original music. I want to, no matter what happens, I don't want to do cover bands. Now that I left Kansas City, yeah. where that's all anybody really aspires to, is yeah. like be the best player of cover tunes. Oh, uh, yeah. Be it jazz or uh-huh. rock or wh- whatever, classic, whatever. Uh-huh. It's like, it's like, and, and it's a, it's a, that, and when I got to New York, I was like, wow, it's all these refugees from the midwest uh-huh. midwest conformity that wants you to play covers and it's like i don't want to play that shit you know i mean i grew up listening to the jazz thing and the jazz thing is like you have to make a mark of individuality uh-huh. you know you have to bring yourself you have to bring something to the table and then you, so you go to new york which is really the birthplace of modern jazz you know um and postmodern jazz, mm-hmm. you know, um, um, it's like we we don't really want you to play here unless you're gonna like bring some weird spark to it, you know. It's like you know some individuality. That's what jazz is all about, you know. And that's but, but jazz back musicians in New York made clear to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah, this is important because you know in in the. Uh, to talk about because you know okay I, now I can see why you why you had, had to get out of New York in tatters um, <laughs> um, why but, what do you mean well you said it's because uh, you were torn up inside with the contradiction between yeah the, right between the two things right 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 right, it's, right. it's also like New York had changed and, you know it, yeah it, yeah it was like being torn by a Ta- all sorts of directions, yeah, can so that's contradictions. Right. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Can, in uh, inner and outer. Yeah. Communications inside and outer. Yes, yes. <laughs> Communications inside and outer. Okay, with that. I'll, well, with that, no, the only reason I'm going to get this is very interesting because um, I think there's something really, really bizarre that goes on in the changeover from people attempting to, to, that you had to try to have something original, had to have tried something to grow. How did it ever get to you have to have something unoriginal and something that sounds like something that somebody else did? I can't even understand. <laughs> I know. When I, you're I the same way, you bring... You bring total individuality to everything you play. Well, because I thought that's what... The, the, that's what I thought it was. was. <laughs> well, I, was I was like, you know, I, I talked to old guys. I talked to... You know. <laughs> yeah, the old guys uh, say yeah, it. That, that, yeah. Fucking... Uh, pardon my French, but Terrence Blanchard said it at this year's Jazz Fest. He's yeah, like, yeah. 
innovation, you know, no, music without innovation is, is death. Yeah, I mean, know? I thought, it, I, no, I think it's really funny. I mean, it's, it's, it strikes me as really funny that, like, okay, like, it was a trad jazz kind of thing. Well, you know, any old New Orleans jazz man that I ever spoke to, I got to play with a lot of them early on. I was very struck by the fact that they weren't interested in people doing something new. I never had any comment from Danny Barker that was, you should try to play like such and such. Yeah. No one ever. Well, that's because when they, when they, trad was once radical, you know? I mean, when they were first sure. playing it, it, it's like nobody ever heard it before. Well, you know, and I'm just trying to work out at what point it became. That's like, why it was you know, so exciting. You need to play. You it was exciting when it first came oh, out. Boy. It totally turned on the whole world. Yeah. Europe, fucking Japan, everywhere. Yeah. It, it, it's like, wow, what's that shit? That's yeah. a whole new way of feeling and, and thinking about music. Mm -hmm. Is that early jazz stuff? Yeah. And, and, and you know, whoever wanted to make it a museum piece. Wow. That's also, well, that's a whole subject I didn't really want to get into because it's a whole can of worms. But when, especially down in New Orleans, wow. New Orleans, you know, with, with, the famous legacy families of New Orleans mm -hmm. as playing a part in the museumification of jazz, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I'm not sure how many of them did just see the desiccation of yeah, I, you know creation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think a lot it, of forces are them scrambling around. You know, the big a big factor in that was Stanley Crouch. That that was part yeah. of that whole New York political. Okay, and cultural good. whirlwind that was uh -huh. going on. The conservative Reagan elected, 1980, um, 1984, you know, um, you know, the, the whole um, conservative, you know, tending toward fascist, you know, kind of reactionary, not kind of reactionary, reactionary. The beginning of the rolling back of the 60s. And <laughs> yes, the yes, yeah, 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 where it really got, the, the really built, built up a lot of steam and then started defining itself yeah. in opposition. And it's part of the same thing, neoconservative shit. It's like, mm -hmm. and Stanley Crouch was in the forefront of that in jazz. Now tell me, you know, how they're 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 like they're like, wow, playing free music is like playing tennis without a net, and it's like, yeah, it's called racquetball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's well, it's like, what do you make? Why do you think we're playing tennis? Yeah. You know, it's like, what the? What's your problem? Yeah, I don't have a problem with what you're doing. Why do you have a problem with what I'm doing? Yeah, you know. So, so, so at what point? I mean, like you were playing out there with these guys. I mean, the, 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 the people, a lot of people you've, you're talking about are. are Somewhat respected innovators in the world. I mean, Ornette is not an underground figure at this point. No, so, no, you know, no. And and, and you're <coughs> playing with with uh, with and Williams playing with Cecil. With, and you're playing with William. Williams playing with Cecil. And Cecil had been. These are all people that were very big in culture. Yeah. Right, in culture, but well, I see it as the decline of the art world. Uh -huh. You know, art as a as a as a thing as uh -huh. a as a role in society. The uh -huh. artist as a member of society, which is like a hallmark of civilization. Uh -huh. You know, we have the artist. We don't know exactly what the artist is, but we have them there. <laughs> yeah. And they're doing something, and we all like kind of like it, you know. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, and it, it's like, and we'll, so we'll give them some money. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah.
But I'm just saying they, they it's 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 definitely it's what you said about the Romans. They 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 think that it's kind of fey. Yeah. You know, the artist is a fey. You know, who would want to do that? Yeah. Not a masculine person. Right, right. It's all women or, you know, fucking sensitive males or mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. you know that you know i guess the only people that get away with that are country singers right, you know right, right, right. it's like okay we can be like a four track sensitive, but exactly. sensitive you know? yeah <laughs> but there's you know and that's pretty bad because that's like processed cheese you know it's like oh and intended to be it's processed cheese from the minute they they right they start right the record, well they're yeah. making it's a velveta factory yeah, you know i mean i mean but 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 it but it's it's like that's what i'm saying it's the decline of the artist mm. you know and and that's okay too because the art world didn't include women it didn't include gay people it didn't include blacks i mean blacks had to i mean it does at blacks you know as entertainers but not as artists and yeah. so you know it's this whole complicated thing where you can see that we are at this point now uh-huh. of where artists are not taken seriously as members of civil that's that role has been diminished right now of course it's that's another cyclical thing i'm sure it'll come back but mm. too late for me mm. <laughs> you know? or too late for a lot of people these days mm-hmm. you know? but but you know um So you've got, but this is the thing. My point here is that you've got a sound and it's considered viable by guys that are jazz musicians there at that point. But you're torn up by New York for these other reasons. Now you come to New Orleans. Yeah, right. Yeah, I had a, I had trouble, like, yeah, with it. Well, this is involves this. Yeah, I had sort of trouble with that Zorn click and then the Winton click and then the, the you know, the Young Lion click and then, and then the, um... And then there was a lot of, you know, the leftover free scene or whatever. It's like a lot of back, you know, backbiting and backbiting stuff. Not stabbing, stabbing, but biting. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and like, you know, people didn't like, you know, I, I mean, I did it as much as anybody else probably. Uh-huh. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't like it. Anyway, I just got, and, and, and the sort of ideological expression that I was hearing rather than music and, wow. and, and being broke and being... Like, you know, my love life in tatters and, yeah. and, you know, it's like, get me out of here. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I was basically like pushed off the, Milkowski's like, hey man, <laughs> it's the same thing as what your friend said to you. Why don't, look, you're depressed down there. You know, you you feel like you're spinning your wheels. Why don't you do something like, yeah, do something, do else. something else. Right. And he's like. Come to New Orleans. Uh-huh. You know, I'm sitting here on my balcony on 3215 Dauphine yeah. Street on January 1st in yeah. my shorts and t-shirt. And I was like up, just freezing my ass off with a chrome plating factory, like spewing waste into my window. Uh-huh. Like, okay, okay. Right. <laughs> you know, so I, so I came down here and, and, and what I found that was so refreshing and then I'll take a break, but, um, is it was so great that the click scene was not. It was like very. There, you know, there's always clicks. That's good. That's it's just natural. People play with who they like to play with, and you know, build up whatever chemistry or whatever. And and but there was a, a fluidity here that was really nice after the New York uh-huh. experience. 
like the the knitting factory and the free guys and the and the blow your brains out guys and the you know the vision fest people and and the Tim Burn like beautiful people mm. thing and that you know and then get me out of here and then I came uh-huh. down here and it's like yeah the mermaid yeah come on man mm-hmm. it's like you know Guar <laughs> you know <Yeah. laughs> who are those guys I don't forget anyway well, right right well there was that there was that van down here. Wow. Well, yeah, right. Well, there was uh, there no, there was somebody that was well, yeah, I don't yeah, all those people. <laughs> there was a whole scene down here, and it was like really happening, and lively, and 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 I just really really appreciated it. It really helped. Although I still felt like an exile mm-hmm. yeah. to this day, yeah. in in a way. Although somebody came back, a writer friend, Carl Watson, came came back a couple of years ago came down here a couple of years ago and he's I said, Yeah, I feel like an exile from New York. He's like, Well don't because New York doesn't exist anymore mm-hmm. the way you remembered it. Yeah, yeah. You know. So anyway, with that I'll take a break. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come back for a short, short segment after that. Oh my god, I'm right, yeah, 